as the case may be. Pastor Philip, unfortunately, he sends his love to each and every one of you. Unfortunately, he is uh, very much under the weather uh, right now. It's his turn for the flu. I had my turn last week. Uh, it's his turn. Uh, now we're trying to actually break the trend. We're not going to make it anybody's turn next week. Uh, everybody is going to be uh, fit, healthy, and well. In the name of Jesus, uh, can I get an amen? Uh, a lot of sickness around right now. But Pastor Philip does, as I say, send his love to each and every one of you. So because uh, he's not able, he asked me uh, to uh, preach the message tonight, which I am absolutely honored and privileged to do as always. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you and we thank you for all things. We thank you for who it is that you are. We thank you for this wonderful church. We thank you for our awesome senior pastor and we pray your blessings upon him. Lord God, we pray your healing hand be upon him, Father, and every other person in this family who is sick right now, Lord, we pray your healing hand be upon them and just pray for wellness and wholeness. Lord, as always, I ask, use me tonight. Let every word from my mouth be yours and not mine. I pray, Lord God, that hearts would be changed this evening and people would leave different to how they arrived. We love you and we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening and a happy, happy new year to each and every one of you from everybody uh, on staff here at Encounter Church, personally from me, uh, Molly, and our family. We just wish you a very, very happy uh, new year. And, you know, we pray for each and every one of you that this year is the best year yet. And, you know, we believe firmly that that's the way it's going to be for each and every one of you. We definitely believe that firmly uh, for this church. We believe that 2018 is going to be like no other that's come before it. And as a pastoral team and as a staff team, uh, as I said, we are just week after week after week, we are witnessing God move in this place and change people from the inside out. And I believe firmly that 2017 was definitely uh, the best year of our church to date, uh, which is awesome and fantastic. And we thank God for that. Uh, but just as firmly as that, I believe that 2018 uh, will be even better. I believe that we're going to see more people come to Christ this year than we've ever seen before. I believe that more people are going to have healing than any other year before. I believe that more people are going to have more favor. And I just believe that more people this year are going to have an encounter with God like they've never had before. And I believe that with all my heart. I'm genuinely excited about this year. And it's very easy to get caught up in that, that feeling of, well, it's a new year, so you know, we're going to get excited. This year is going to be the best year. And I know, you know some of these things can be thrown away as cliches, but I absolutely believe that this church has just been, just been on a roll for, for, for a long while now. And as I said, week in, week out, it's just exciting just to wonder what it is that God is going to do next. Amen? We're already only three days into the new year, and I can personally testify that God has already moved in a huge way in my family, uh, and I know that it's just the beginning of what uh, we're going to be witnessing for each and every one of you as well. So, this message tonight is a clear one to you. The message is this, get ready for an encounter. Get ready for an encounter. And I don't say that in a motivational uh, way, you know, there's an encounter coming, uh, you know, get all excited about it. I'm not talking about it that way. I'm talking to you in a more an encouragement way of a be ready, be ready, get yourself ready for an encounter because an encounter is what's going to be happening for people around you. But I don't know about you, but I don't want encounters to be going on around me. I want encounters to be happening with me, for me, in me, through me. I want to be part of that encounter. I don't want to be a witness to that. We've been witness to so many people having their lives touched and changed in this house. 
But, you know, selfish though it may sound, I want some of that as well for myself. Amen? And I know each and every one of you here want the very same thing as well. But, you know, for us to have been able to really fully grasp and accept and receive what it is that God has for us, we have to be ready. We have to be ready. You have to get ready. That implies some work on your part. Well, good, because it's supposed to imply there's work on your part. Because for, in order for you to be ready, it will take work on your part. All right, But, if, but by putting that work in, you are going to enable your own encounter. And let me stress that, your own encounter. You don't need to be making preparations for you to be a witness to encounters with God. Just show up here every Sunday and you are going to witness encounters with God. And I guarantee that more often than not, you are going to be a bystander and see people touched every Sunday in this place. It's already happened through 2017. And again, I'm believing for even more of that in this coming year here. But you don't want to be a bystander. As I said, you don't want to be watching other people encounter God like they never have before. As a staff and a volunteer team here at the uh, at Encounter Church, we have always and we will always be doing everything we can do to prepare the environment for encounters to take place in this house. Every message delivered from this pulpit is prayerfully and respectfully prepared. Every song sung by our praise and worship team is thoughtfully chosen. It's planned out. It's rehearsed. And they're here to usher in the spirit and for you to have a distraction-free worship experience. Every Tuesday, we have a staff meeting during which we have a debrief. We deconstruct every area of the Sunday service, which has happened before, and we see what we can do to improve it for the next Sunday. And that's not to see how we can entertain you better. It's not to see how we can create more stuff for your benefit, but to see how we can create a better environment where you can come and encounter God. That's our sole purpose and what it is that we do as a staff and volunteer, volunteer team here is to enable you to create an environment where you can have your own encounter with God. So we're making the preparations we need to. You know, it's our responsibility as pastors of this church to do that. And it's a responsibility that we take incredibly seriously. Why? Because we want you to have that encounter with God. That's our burning desire. That's what drives us to get up in the mornings when sometimes we don't feel like getting up in the mornings. Robert can testify to this. Sometimes it's, it's not always the easiest job in the world at being in ministry. And I'm not asking for you to pull out the violins. But what I'm saying is, is we all, I'm the same as you. I need a motivation sometimes to go to work. And my motivation is, is purely and simply this that we are doing what we are doing for you to encounter God. And it's our responsibility to do that. And if we're not doing that, then that's just not good enough in my eyes. We are here to create an environment for you to encounter God. So we're prepared. We are doing what it is, I believe, we're doing what it is that we are called to do to help you to have your encounter with God. We want you to have an encounter with God. But more importantly and profoundly than any of that is this fact. God wants you to have an encounter with God. God wants you to have an encounter with God. God wants you to have a relationship with him more than he wants anything else from you. More than he wants anything else from you. He wants and desires relationship with you. How do we know that? Because Jesus was asked by one of the Sadducee scribes, which one 
was the most important commandment of all. And Jesus replied this, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Must. You must. The first commandment, the most important commandment, Jesus said clearly that that's what you have to do. Why? Because God wants that from you. He wants relationship with you. Here's what I know. Firstly, if God says that's more important than anything else, we should think that that is more important than anything else. Secondly, I can tell you from experience, when you have a true encounter with God, loving Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your heart, becomes a whole lot easier than before you have an encounter. So once you've had that encounter, loving Him that way becomes so much easier. So God desires for you to have an encounter with Him. We are continually prepared here to help that happen as much as we can. God's ready. We're ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for that encounter? If you've never had a real encounter with God, you need to be making preparations to have your first. And if you have experienced God personally, you need to be making preparations for your next encounter. Because let me tell you, we serve a God that keeps on giving. One encounter is never enough for Him. If it's enough for you, then rethink that through. Many of you are seeking your first real encounter with God and the anticipation that you only will be having the one. Let me assure you, that is not the case. Look at this. Your work as a walk as a Christian should be an ongoing and on-growing thing. You should be developing through your relationship with God. It shouldn't be a one-time deal for you to be encountering God. You should be having an encounter on a day-to-day-to-day basis. Yes, some moments with God are going to be a whole lot more profound than others. I can testify to that. But you should be having encounters, not an encounter. So we often speak here about the fact that your task as a Christian, it's not to try and save everyone that you come into contact with. You've heard us speak before and pastors spoken about it before. You know, when you're talking to somebody who doesn't necessarily know Christ, you know, your job is not to actually have them saved. Your job is not even necessarily to, to drag them to church. Your job is to move them along the scale of wherever it is they are. So if they currently are at a one, for example, in their walk with Christ, your role, if you're coming into contact with them, is to move them along, not even necessarily from a one to a two, maybe a 1.5. But you need to be leaving them having known that you've moved them slightly along the scale from where it is that they were. And we're very good at uh, imagining that and seeing that and visualizing that for how we are supposed to deal with other people, what it is that we're supposed to be doing for and with other people. Here's something for you. You need to be doing that with yourself. If you are at a 2 right now, then you need to be making efforts to get to a 2.5. If you're at a 2.5, then why not do some work to get to a 3? Because nobody's relationship with God is more important to you than yours, than yours. And let me tell you, the further along that scale that you are, if you're at a three and by the end of this year you're at a five, what does it mean? It means that you're going to be able to help somebody who's at a four. Because why? Because to lead somebody, you only have to be one step in front of them. So if they're at a four and you're at a five, you can lead them to where it is that you are. 
So it's important that you are working on your own level. Rest assured, whatever level you are at right now, in your relationship with God, you are not finished yet. I know that I am never, ever going to arrive until I either I leave this earth or Jesus comes back. And every day up until that point, there's room for me to improve as a person. There's time for me to encounter God in bigger and better ways than ever before. So as best I can, I'm going to make sure that I'm in a permanent state of preparation in order for that to happen. So I don't want to just say to you, get ready, be prepared, and leave it at that. I want to give you some detailed, practical advice on how to get ready, how to get prepared and be prepared so that you can have the encounter and relationship with God that He wants you to have, that we want you to have, and I'm sure that you want to have for yourself. So what's the first thing I believe we all need to do to make any improvement in any area of our lives? I think that we need to take stock of where it is that we're at right now. It's impossible to plan a journey to somewhere without knowing where you're at right now. If you want to go somewhere and you're putting it in your GPS, you can put in your target destination. But unless you put in where it is that you are right now, then our friend Siri, or the uh, equivalent for the, for the non-iPhone users, can't give you directions. Because they don't know where it is that you're starting from. So you have to take stock of where it is. So my advice number one for you is this. Check your position. Check your position. Where are you positioned right now? If you were to grade yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, with 1 being, I'm so far from God's will that I can't even see the edge of God's will with a really powerful set of binoculars, right, through to 10, which is, I'm so close to God, I need a veil like Moses, Okay, you're just in that, you're that pressed in, you're that close. On that scale of 1 to 10, where would you say you are right now? And again, you don't, you're not testing yourself that, you're not asking yourself that question to condemn yourself in any shape or form. But here's something for you to think about. God's blessings are where his will is. So the closer you are to his will, then the closer you are in a position where God can give you that encounter, those blessings that it is that you're looking for. The more in God's will that we're walking, the more we are in the right position. The further away we are from God's will, the more we are in the wrong position. Imagine this for a minute. Drew Brees has got hold of a football. There's one Saints fan in the room. I was going to do a soccer analogy, but two people in the room would have got it. All right, so I'm going to stick with the American football. So, Drew Brees, he's got this ball. And here's the deal. He wants to throw the ball to you. And if you catch the ball when he throws it to you, there'll be a financial reward. If he throws this ball and you catch it the first time he throws it, you will receive $1 million. Here are the rules. Drew Brees is going to stand in one of the end zones. Rule two, you cannot stand in the same end zone. Now, Drew Brees is getting ready to throw that ball. You can't step in the end zone where he's at right now. So, where are you going to stand? Are you going to make your way 100 yards down the field and stand in the other end zone in the hope that, you, that A, he can throw 100 yards, if anybody can, Drew Brees can, and that you're going to 
hopefully catch the ball? Or is he going to be in the end zone and you're going to be standing on his one-yard line? You're going to be standing on the one-yard line, aren't you? And it's the same way, as I said, as well, from a God's will perspective. Because if Drew Brees is going to throw that ball and guarantee you a million dollars, you're going to make sure that you're as close to him as you can be to catch the ball, right? Are you with me or not? But God has way more to give you than a million dollars. The blessings that he can provide in your life are way more valuable to you than a million dollars. I know there's some of you in here that could do, well do with a million dollars. Frankly, I'm one of them. But I know that God's blessings that he has for us are so much more valuable than that one million dollars. And what, what is it I'm saying? I'm saying that, you know, you can grasp that to some degree that God has these things for you, these blessings for you, this encounter for you, this life-changing moment he has for you. And he's standing in the end zone and he's ready to throw it to you. And some of us are actually in the other end zone. Some of us are actually in a different stadium. That's how far away we are from where it is that God needs us to be and wants us to be and desires us to be. Drew Brees cannot hit you if you're in a different stadium. He's going to struggle to hit you if you're in a different end zone. If you're a yard away, 100% he's going to hit you. And that's exactly how we need to look at what it is that God has got for us. If you know that you're not living in God's will right now, get in it. Get in his will. That's my advice. Your life will be better. Your relationship with God will be better. Your relationships with the people around you will be better. Your relationship with yourself will be better. So let me just clarify this as well. You may feel it's impossible for you right now to live fully in God's will. Because why? Because you may not know what God's will for your life is. And I understand that. There's so many people that speak to us about that. And I've I've used all the figures before from the surveys, but it's like 73% of American Christians do not know what God's plan for their life is, what God's calling on their life is, what God's will for their life is. So I understand that. But here's the truth, though. If God has yet to reveal to you in detail what it is that God has called you to do as an individual... That's his unrevealed will. That's his unrevealed will. But his unrevealed will is only a part of God's will for your life. The rest is what's known as God's revealed will. God's revealed will is not about you and your individual life. His revealed will is about you and your life as a Christian. So God has revealed his will to you. What is it I'm saying? I'm saying this. Don't use the fact that God has unrevealed will for your life as an excuse to ignore his revealed will. There's more than enough revealed will of God in the Bible to give you more than a little idea of the way that you should be living, the way that you shouldn't be living. And the more that you are positioned in God's revealed will for your life, the more likely you are to discover his unrevealed will for your life. Again, If you're in a different stadium, God can't hit you. But if you're pressing in your close and you're living in his will, then he's going to be able to give you more information about what it is that he's unrevealed will for your life. So you may not know fully in detail what it is that God's got destined for you. But I can tell you this. By being in the right position, you're placing yourself where God can fulfill his revealed will in and through your life. 
Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This, that, is the kind of encounter that we're talking about. That's the kind of encounter that we want you to have. That's the kind of encounter that God wants you to have. Each of us that knows God has that power at work within us. And with that power, God can accomplish not just a little more than we ask or think, but infinitely more. That is the encounter that God wants you to have. I want that. That's what I want. Is that what you want? Do you want that encounter? To do that, to start that first bit of advice, as I said, check your position. And you know, it's, it's easily done. Check your position. Pray about it. Ask God to show you. It's a prayer that we should all pray on a regular basis. Lord, if I'm not in your will right now, show me. Show me that area of my life where I'm not fully in your will. Because I'll tell you this, I know one thing's for sure. At any given point in time, there is one area of my life at least where I am not 100% in his will. Whether I like it or not, and I hate to shock you if you think I'm perfect. I know none of you do, so that's why I say it. But we all have an area of our lives which sometimes is hidden from us, where we're not completely in God's will. So our prayer should be, Lord, bring me back. Bring me back into your will. So check your position. The next thing we need to check in order that we can be ready for that encounter with God is this. Check your pride. I don't care who you are, how holy you are, how long you've known God. This applies to you. This applies to me. This applies to each and every one of us. Why? Because pride is one of those things that you think you've killed. And it, but then it comes back like a Louisiana cockroach. It's, it's just, I mean, I don't know about the cockroaches in your house, but the cockroaches in my house, I mean, they are completely invincible. They are invincible. If they were slightly bigger, I'd throw a saddle on the back of one and ride it. I mean, but the point is this. Our pride... Our pride is the same way. We think we've got it killed. We've got, we think we've got that issue sorted out. And you know what? And then it's back. Pride will rear its ugly head in so many different ways, so many different shapes and forms. We have to be careful about it. And you know, here's the ironic thing. There are those people who have squashed their pride enough, who have killed their pride enough to accept Christ and grow in their knowledge of the Lord. But then they become prideful about how much they know about the Lord. I know some of those people. It's another trap of the enemy that you need to be aware of and not allow yourself to slip into. Pride can creep into any area of your life where you feel that you've had some success, particularly if you know other people who haven't had the success that you've had in that area of your life. Check yourself for pride. Look at this in the book of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken." There are so many different accounts in the Bible of so many different people 
with so many different challenges and circumstances, ups and downs, for God, against God, every story is unique. But one of the most common themes across the board of man and woman's downfalls is the theme of pride. We have to guard against it. Adam and Eve, Moses, I mean, the list is endless. We have to guard against it strongly and proactively. We genuinely have to check ourselves for it because two of the symptoms of having pride is that we don't see that we have pride at all. And then if we do see that we have it, then we just deny that we've got it. They're two of the biggest symptoms of pride. You need people around you who are not frightened to point out when you're being prideful. I have those people. Does it hurt when they say you're being prideful? Yes, it hurts. And what's your initial response? No, I'm not. Uh, Might be pride. But you need the people around you that are going to say it. And I know that I've got people around me that I can say it to as well. We need that to keep ourselves in check. The Bible's got plenty to advise us about pride. But here's another quick one. Short, sweet, and packed with truth. Proverbs 11.2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Such a powerful scripture. Such a statement just to, just to throw away maybe, but it's such a powerful statement. Pride is dangerous because it has lots of knock-on effects on how we act and how we react to situations, how we react and act towards people and to God. Pride makes us stubborn, hard-headed. They call it stiff-necked in the Bible in some translations in the Old Testament. And it makes us think better of ourselves than we should, and it makes us think less of others than we should. So the biggest danger with pride, though, is that it can make us believe that we have it all together, that we are able to know best for our lives, and that we can solve our issues on our own. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. So if that's you today, let me, with all due respect, let you know how it really is. You do not have it all together. You do not know what it is that's best for your life, and you can't solve all your problems on your own. Peter says this in First Peter. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. If you go through your life with humility, your life looks entirely different to that than if you go through it with pride. So my last piece of advice for you today, to be ready for an encounter, check your preparation. Check your preparation. What does this mean? It means that each and every one of us has said right from the beginning here, we have to prepare ourselves. If we're going to be ready for the encounter that we're looking for, we have to prepare for it. We have to do some work. You know, Jesus talks very much in very much detail about how we're to prepare ourselves, how we can make ourselves ready for what it is that God has got for us. It's called the parable of the sower, and it's in uh, the book of Matthew in the 13th chapter. He talks uh, about their four different types of soil. There's the footpath where a farmer goes and he scatters his seeds onto the footpath where nothing obviously grows, and the rocky soil, the thorny ground, and the good soil. And he goes on to explain what it is that he's actually using as a parable. A parable is basically just a, a story. Uh, very often times are not that easy for us to understand because they were very easy back then for them to understand, and he was literally doing that, talking to the people about things that they knew. He was talking to them in farming terms uh, when he was talking about this parable. But he goes on to explain what it is that he was trying to say when he's describing 
this farmer. He says in Matthew 13, 18 and 19, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their lives. So it might be those people, you may have seen those people, heard those people, had those people, you brought them to church, they came one time, didn't understand what they heard and they left and never came back again. It could be that kind of a soil. What do we know about the footpath? Well, it's not necessarily the first place you're going to go to plant a seed and expect growth, is it? Not the first place that you expect that to happen. He goes on and says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Again, you know people like that. That may have been you at one point in your life. Maybe you've come back after going through that very thing where you're so happy and excited about the word when you first hear it, but then it doesn't take a deep root. Why? Because you don't work it, you don't water it, you don't look after it, you don't tend for it, you don't protect it, you don't treasure it like you would do. A plant that you wanted to grow. He goes on and says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Huge category of people fall into this one here, a huge group of people fall into this category, I should say, where they have it, they know it, they're learning it, they embrace it until something else comes along, until they get so busy Pastor alludes to it on, on several occasions. Quite oftentimes, people will get a, a job change or a shift change or a promotion, something which they will consider to be God's blessing, and then it will take them away from church. They will no longer be in a position where they're surrounded by people who have the best interest at heart, where they are in the Word on a regular basis, receiving teaching on a regular basis. And what happens? They get pulled away, lured away by what it is that life sometimes has to offer. And then finally, he says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The soil has been looked after, tended, watered. It's been prepared properly. Work has been put in to it. Now, I do not have anything like green fingers. Nothing like it at all, but even I know that the chances of a plant growing are incredibly increased if I prepare the soil properly first. Even I know that if I've got a pot here of well-prepared soil and I've got a footpath over here and one seed, I know where to put it. So what is it I'm saying through this? What I'm saying is this. You are responsible for the state of your soil. You are responsible You cannot leave your soil untended and expect to reap a good harvest. You must tend your soil regularly, carefully, diligently to reap the harvest that you want to harvest. How do you do that? How do you ensure that you're prepared and ready for a life-changing encounter with God? It's the same things that we teach you time and time again. Why? Because there's nothing new. There's nothing surprising. I'm not here to give you some radically different idea for 2018. I'm trying to give you something which is completely, radically undifferent. It's the same as we always talk to you about. What's that? Firstly, read the Word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word, word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I cannot tell you how different my life is today compared to 10 years ago. 
so many of you in here can give me the same testimony. And why is that? It's because of God and what God has done in my life. But you know what God did in my life initially in my life was 10 years ago. That's long enough ago now that if I hadn't been diligent in looking after the soil and tending the soil, I would have drifted away by now. I know that because I know who I was. I know that because of who I was. But I didn't do that. I've diligently looked after my soul with a passion. Why? Because I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want to go back to where I was. So I have to be doing something different to what I was doing 10 years ago. And let me assure you, when I first got saved, I dove in the Bible, and I've been there since. I've been there since, studying, learning, learning and studying. You need to do it because God's Word will make a difference to your life. Not might, not maybe. I'm talking about 100% guaranteed. What else do we need to do? Okay, daily devotions. Daily devotions. We've now, again, we are giving out daily devotions. We're sending out emails, daily devotions every single day of this year. They are completely new devotions from last year. So if you went through every single day last year, don't, you know, unsubscribe from the emails because this is all brand new information. If you are not receiving that daily email, it's because we don't yet have your email address. So make sure that we get your email address and you will then automatically receive a daily devotion from this church. We'll give you a starting point to actually read the word from. You can expand on that if you've got time. If there's a scripture there, which there will be, read the verse, verses around it. Read the chapter that it's a part of. If you've got time, read the book that it comes from. Okay, unless it's Psalms, because that might take you a little while. Okay, secondly, pray. Pray. Develop a consistent prayer life. How often should you pray? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, never stop praying. Always you should be praying. Why? What is it? It's conversation with God. You're going to strengthen your relationship with him. You're going to be prepared. You're going to be able to ask him for guidance in your life, for him to show you when you are being prideful, for him to highlight to you the changes that you need to make in your life. Develop a good prayer life. And fasting, another way where you can press into the Lord. I'm not going to talk too much about that right now. We have that uh, prayer and fast, which is actually starting this coming Monday. We're so excited about that. And there will be more details to follow on Sunday. I know Pastor's going to be talking about that in detail. It's also on our website as well. You can check out exactly what's involved with that. So the word prayer and fasting. Anybody heard anything new tonight so far? I didn't think so. These are the things that we need to do in order to prepare the soil, for us to be prepared, in order that we can actually receive that encounter and go through that encounter. Because the more work and preparation that we put in, the more able that we are going to be to put ourselves in a position where, again, we're on the one-yard line. We're not in a different stadium. Because I want to be used by God. And without an encounter with God... I can't be used by God. Let me finish on this. You need to know this. The amount that God can use you is not determined by your talent, your intelligence, your knowledge, or your personality. It's determined by your willingness to surrender to his will. That's the difference. That's the game changer. That's the life changer. You need to put yourself in a position 
where you are able to receive that encounter so that God can use you the way that God wants to use you. Amen? Bow your heads where you're at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you for all things. We thank you for who it is that you are. We thank you, Lord, that you want to have an encounter with us. You desire us to have a close relationship with you. Your word tells us time and time and time again that you have a desire for that, that you want to draw us close to you, Lord God, and that you are looking not not for anything else from us other than relationship, obedience. That encounter that will change our lives. And Lord, I pray of every person present here today, that you would touch them in such a mighty way, that you would give them such an encounter with you, that it would, would completely change their belief system. It would change the way that they look at you, the way that they look at everyone around them, the way that they look at the person they see when they look in the mirror. Because that's what you do, God. That's what an encounter with you does. It changes everything. It changes everyone. And we thank you for that, God. I pray, Lord, you would touch everyone here with that, with that encounter, that it would be such a moment. It would be something they could look back on literally for the rest of their lives. It might be here this evening. It might be on the way home. It might be as they're laying in bed tonight, Father God. But I know I've got moments that I remember the time, I remember the date, I remember everything that was going on around me where I had an encounter with you. I pray that for each person present here, Lord. We thank you for our time together tonight. We thank you for this church. We thank you once again for our senior pastor. We pray your blessings upon him, your healing upon him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. I pray that you would bring him back here renewed, with a new vigor that he would continue to lead this church, Father God, and be obedient to you in the prayerful fashion that I know he does. We thank you for him and his family. Pray your blessings and protection around him. Every other staff member, every other volunteer in this place, we pray, Lord, that you would touch us, as Robert said earlier, give us a fresh anointing, give us a new vigor, give us a new challenge pull out the very, very best in us, Father God, because we want to give it to you to use. We love you. We adore you in this house. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thanks so much for being here, guys. We're going to ask you all and invite you all.